Hey, Chris. Yeah, Fred. What's a mason? That's a really good question, Fred. You've reached the Internet's home for all things masonry. Join Chris and I as we plumb the depths of our ancient craft. From the common gavel to the trowel, nothing is off the table. So grab your tools and let's get to work. This is On the Level. All right, Chris. Hello. Where's the where's the holler? Where's the yeah! there it is. There it is. Oh my gosh. Sorry. It's you asked for it. I asked for it. It's my fault. I get it. I get it. Um wow. Uh yeah. what on earth? Um well, today's a big day for us. Today is a big day for us. Yeah. Uh, it really is. Uh we, we are able to write a terrible wrong yeah, here we're uh, today. Atoning for the sins and ignorances <laughs> of our past. Atoning for our sins and ignorance of the past. Mine especially. Uh, no, it's a, it's a team thing. It's a team. It, that's right. it. We, we fail together. Only one of us three is innocent in this group. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear him laughing. You that, can hear him in the back. You know who it is. It's most, most worshipful Jeffrey S. Foster. Yes. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Good, good morning, sir. And um, many of our fans uh, don't know that during Grand Lodge communication, mm. uh, Most Worshipful Foster was one of our first interviews. He was the reason we were doing these interviews. The absolute <laughs> reason for it. And of course, uh, the sound engineer, <clears throat> me, uh, neglected Gee. to uh, push uh, save when I closed out his particular file. And of course, the machine did exactly what I told it to do. It erased it. Yeah. So uh, it was gone and we could not find it. So we sure spent months looking everywhere oh, to try to see if we could find it. Was like, and, and, then, and then Chris and I are like, well, now what do we do? We have to apologize. <laughs> We're going to have to get a hold of him and tell him how dumb we really are. Yeah. Yes. In 20 years, you'll find it. It'll be the lost recording. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That's right. That's right. The lost recordings yeah. of On the Level with Fred and Chris. Right. The right. original unedited no no i i uh and we appreciate you coming and being a a, a huge sport oh, yeah, no problem. yeah absolutely huge absolutely. sport for us uh, so uh go ahead chris yeah i mean we we interviewed you at grand lodge on on the first day i believe yeah it was definitely the first day yep yep I, yeah he, and he was the, our second interview actually hey yeah right worshipful Haber yeah. was first yeah uh, and then most worshipful after after that and then we said, "Oh, we know what we're doing," and we, really oh, didn't yeah. know we had. <laughs> we were really so confident, absolutely. No, but you know that was such an awesome experience because I didn't really know the weight of what we were doing at the time. We just wanted to interview people and like tell their story and talk about who they are. But realized later, it was awesome. So many people in the state, we know the names, we know the titles, but we don't really know the person. Um, you know, a lot of the people in the state uh, are afraid to go to a grandmaster at a visit and shake their hand and strike right, up a conversation. Right. And so all they know is the, the grandmaster's words that get read at the uh, visits and whatever the grandmaster says at the visit if they go. Uh, so I think this just has turned out to be an awesome way for especially the members of Florida to get to know the Grand Lodge people, the men behind the job yeah that's right it was so eye-opening to talk to everyone we talked to and like <laughs> i was just shocked every time like wow this you aren't who i thought you were gonna be right right yeah uh, you guys are like real people yeah wow. real people <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey, what? and i can add to that if, if yeah go ahead yes I absolutely i don't think i don't think i know any past grandmasters or up-and-coming grandmasters that their feelings would be hurt if you <laughs> didn't come up and shake their hand 
You know, that's one of the yeah. reasons, you know, that we're, we're nobody special. We're just at the front of the pack right now. And, <laughs> you know, pretty soon we're going to be at the back of the pack with everybody else. And, you know, that, that makes us one of, you know, a brother. So there should be no reason why anybody doesn't want to come up and shake uh, a grand lodge officer's hands. Cause we're not, we're not anything special. We're just, we're just brothers in a position. Yeah, that's, and I have found that to be absolutely true. Uh, we just had our uh, grandmaster visit over at uh, Sarasota Sahib shrine. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I was feeling that same feeling, uh, most worshipful that, that you were talking about going up and, and, you know, talking to, like our, a, uh, as a brother, you felt most hesitant, worship. right? Like, oh, right. Oh, I, maybe yeah. I shouldn't and, uh, embarrass myself or whatever's going through your mind. Right. And, uh, and of course our current grandmaster, most worshipful Bishop, um, was, was just so gracious. And, and like yeah. you said, he's just a regular guy. Um, I can tell he's the kind of guy, and I would just venture to say, uh, most worshipful foster that he's, he's probably kind of cut along the same cloth, maybe as, as you are, where very direct, mm. um, you can tell, and I can tell too, by talking to you as well, most <laughs> worshipful that you guys are really direct, which I, for one, <laughs> absolutely appreciate. Yes. Yes. Um, because I, I would assume it's from your guys' military background is where that comes from. Oh, I'm sure. From. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. They learn not it, to mince words. I know that our, our current grandmaster loves it when you come up and ask him for $5. Just, just go up oh. and ask him for $5. Oh, inside baseball there. We, you, that, that's as good as done. We will definitely do that. We're, we're hoping to interview him. I um, know a setup when I hear one. That's a setup big time. Yes. <laughs> uh, a setup I'm, uh, I'm willing to fall right into okay. just for fun. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We're going to hopefully interview him uh, and, uh, and uh, the First Lady. Uh, when on their first visit down to the uh, the shrine home, um, down to the our uh, the what am I trying to say the the I know I it went right out of your head I saw it you had it and it just <laughs> left anyways the uh, the Masonic home thank you Masonic home in uh, in jeez uh, I was really in St Petersburg yeah so we'll interview him then and that's one of the first things we're going to do. Uh, of course, is ask him uh, if we could borrow five dollars immediately. Oh there yeah, sure, on the air. <laughs> get, his, get his real reaction to that. We'll see how that goes. I'm curious to see what that's going to be now. <laughs> but his wife, Od- Odessa, she yes. had uh-huh. such a interesting like situation this year. I, I'm sure you've been to some of their visits, right? Most worshipful. I have. Yeah, she she printed out bios of every member in our district. Uh, that is in the Masonic home. And she gave a speech about the people and how she wants right. to yep. do things yeah. for the people, not the floors, not yep. the walls, but the people. And it right. really struck me. I think she got like tear choked up a bit when she was, I mean, there's absolutely some, well, they, so they live real close to the Masonic home. I mean, they're, they're in that, they live right there in Clearwater, oh, okay. which is right outside okay. St. Pete. So, she has the opportunity to spend a lot of time at the home and she's, mm. she's become very, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Very, Active. very close with a lot of the, the residents of the home. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, I've done a little bit of work in, in different, you know, homes and retirement villages and it's, it's, uh, it's addictive. You go in there and those people are so, they just, they just want to, 
they just want to sit down and have and and talk with anybody engage, yeah. about anything and oh, be, be engaged. And when you do that, I don't care who you are. When you do that, it just it changes you. So I can only imagine her going in there. She seems like a woman with a big heart to begin with. Yeah. Who goes in oh, there? She does. Yeah, yeah. So she's been totally captivated by it. And I'm for one, I'm really glad because. Um, you know, we 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 hear all these things about the Masonic home, this, that, and the other, and all this stuff, and all us men are trying to fix the walls and paint the ceilings, and now here comes the first lady who goes in there and brings that, you know, hey, these are just, I just want to help the people, and uh, I just, as soon as she started talking about it, she was, she was pretty emotional about it, fairly emotional about it when she was talking about it, and so, so was the whole crowd. We all just were like, you know what? I, th- Okay, fine. That emotion. There's probably some yeah. conversations that need to be happen uh, that need to happen about the system. But she's right. Uh, there are people yeah. in there who are mis- right. that we're obligated right. to love and, and take care yep. of, man. And I, I just love that direction. So yeah. that interview is going to be really good. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think when more people hear that, they'll get a lot more money for the for the cause this year because it's just such a people are going to connect with that message big time. Yeah, I'm I'm resident to give up anything um masonic anywhere. Um I know that like for us for instance the Sarasota Sahib shrine uh, that building has been there for a long long time and they really struggled. They almost lost the thing. And yeah, they the were fact definitely that, on the verge. Yeah, the fact that they're on the ascendancy and actually actually out of the red and into the black and making making definite progress in the right direction it it, that, it i feel the same way about that masonic home it's been there forever it's ours we're obligated to take care of it i would be i would be it would take a lot to convince me to go any other direction but keep that thing right where it is well the sahib shrine was about to lose everything and, yeah, and yeah. they didn't get a, an influx of members they didn't get angel investors the leadership changed that's it yeah the leadership changed. And sometimes and, that's what it takes. Yeah. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And that's a great point, Chris. That's exactly right. Leadership can change everything. Good leadership, strong leadership that is lifting everyone around them up. Right. Everyone right. starts to rally and you get momentum and that momentum solves a lot of problems. Yeah, that's right. Well, Most Worshipful, tell us um, how, what, what's been going on in, in, uh, yeah, so far in your year. Um, how is retirement? Yeah. How's, how's <laughs> retirement going? <laughs> So He's uh, retirement is great. Um, I, I do miss, you know, traveling around, but um, I don't travel as much as I used to. Uh, I kind of uh, stay in the background. I, I try to, to to limit myself, you know, to what I what I'm actually going to do. Um, actually, <laughs> I have a house that was neglected for four or five years, so I'm I'm in the process <laughs> of trying to <laughs> re redo all that oh, um, we'll pray for you brother yeah <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate it i need it um i'm i'm getting more involved in local events you know right here in, in north florida uh, mm. scottish right um other appendant bodies just just trying to you know take time and, and do things that that i want to do not that i need to do yeah, I mean, you've certainly earned that. <laughs> so, uh, you yourself graduated high school in 1981. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Okay. And then you went basically right out of high school into uh, the Navy. Yep i uh, I took the summer off. And a matter of fact, in uh, ten days, forty two years ago, I believe, I showed up at boot camp. Wow. 
what was boot camp yeah. like for you? <laughs> I I never went into the military, yeah, so me neither. I'm always like, <laughs> you know, you always like regret the path not taken. I started having kids at 19. I didn't have time for the military, but looking back, I wish I would have maybe taken that path first because everyone that I meet that is a military person is just different than the rest of us. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's, and I really well, admire you, some you of different. the traits. Well, you get, you know, you get thrown into a different, um, a different culture, a different uh, environment than what most people are used to because in a military environment, you're getting input from, you know, different people from all over the country. So there's just not one, uh, one social environment it's you're you're getting it from all over the place so you develop your own and and most people don't get to see that yeah yeah that's right yeah and then, and you're at a young age you're put into you know difficult situations um you know and confronted by other personalities and responsibilities right away you know like you said you were right out of high school um at the ripe old age of 18 there you are you know in a gigantic <laughs> system yeah, you know, and then you have to had to learn to deal with it and to to the discipline and all that. Where, where me at the ripe old age of eighteen, I didn't know what I was doing or where yeah. I was going. You know, so yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely. I and for me, it's definitely a missed calling. I regret. Yeah. I sat um, at nineteen years old. I sat in the Navy recruiter's uh, office and uh, was was ready to go, and I backed out like mm. a coward at the last <laughs> minute. And I've always. Always bitterly regretted that, but yeah. anyway, that's me. We're not here to interview well, Fred. When we see, <laughs> thankfully, when we, when we see Navy, you were in naval aviation, right? Did you actually fly planes, or were you just? No, I did not fly. Um, I started out working, and then uh, through a series of uh, consequences, I guess I'd say, uh, I ended up uh, taking care of logbooks and. Um, aircraft maintenance discrepancies and, and uh, it was pretty much an office job for the last 18, 17 years of my naval aviation career. Mm. So yeah, so uh, administrative uh, in there and that's probably why you made Leadership such at a, an early right, age. Probably why you um, you were uh, as Grand Master um, you know, that's probably those skills were probably quite handy uh, inside, oh, the, yeah. inside that realm. I absolutely, I get that. But, uh, on paper you have the textbook life. So you served in the military, you got out and graduated cum laude from Jones college in 2001. I, yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. I, uh, I With, figured out early in my naval career that uh, the best way to get a college education was to let them pay for it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. It is expensive. <laughs> there were a lot of late nights, you know, going to work and then going to school and coming home and getting up and doing it all over again. But Oh, you had to work uh, through college? It was well worth it. What kind of work were you doing at that time? I was in the Navy. Yeah. Uh, oh, so you were doing, work, okay. You know? right, right. Yeah, so I would work during the daytime and, and went to school at night. Yeah. And what did you go to school for? So when I first started um, attending college, I had the – notion of getting a, an aviation degree. So I went to Embry-Riddle um, and then I, I transferred duty stations and uh, I got involved with a couple guys, a couple shipmates of mine that were heavily involved in the early stages of computers. And uh, I changed my minor or I changed my major rather to computer information. 
So I was within, I think, 10 or 15 credits of graduating with a bachelor's degree in aviation uh, maintenance when I changed and had to pretty much start all over again. So I, I've got a lot of credits. <laughs> you you were mainly interested in computer science, right? I was. Yeah. Uh, I got involved with a couple guys that were, you know, early computer users and it just took off from there. It seems like your whole life was busy at that kind of time in your life. Cause you were in the military, you're getting an education. You actually got married at some point in that time frame, Right. Um, Oh yeah. I got married two years into my Naval career. Right. And then you had, which it. was probably one of the big deciders of why I continued on instead of getting out to support your new wife. Yeah, yeah. She she liked to have a, a supper on the table, you know. So right, yeah. That was just, that was the way I could do it. Well, it's it, you know, it's it's true when a young man takes, you know, takes a wife and starts a family at a young age, man, it it tends to cause that that young man to step up, you know, and to it's a new take responsibility, yeah. you know. It's it's that's why uh throughout history, young men got married young, you know, because it was one of the ways to to get them to focus, you know, <laughs> nowadays, right. the average, the average man is getting married in his late thirties, you know, and it's right. I don't think it's working out all that good, but uh, th- that's a conversation <laughs> for another show. I would assume. Yeah. <laughs> but then it wasn't long after you had a son. I did. A son. Uh, um, he was January of 89. January of 89. That makes him uh, Aquarius. Probably, I'm I'm not up on my astrology. Okay, uh, yeah, that's a whole other not thing. either. <laughs> <laughs> so that was all. I mean, you were you were a young man when you were doing all that. You're in the military. Correct. You're getting an education. You're married now. You have a kid. That's a lot of responsibility early in life. And is that something you kind of always wanted, or did that just happen to you? Um, I think you know. I think the good Lord just said, you know. He put things in my life when I needed them. Right. Uh, hmm. I, I don't, you know, I, yes, our, our son was planned. You know, I, I was in the Navy, you go from sea duty to shore duty to sea duty to shore duty. And, uh, you know, Holland and I had discussed that I didn't want to have a child and immediately go out to sea. Hmm. Uh, I needed to be around to help out. So we were getting ready to come off of sea duty and go to shore duty. And I knew I was going to be around for three years. So, you know, we kind of planned that out and, uh, I think it worked out well. Yeah. 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 My, my youngest son was a submariner. Um, and, uh, he's eight years. He did eight years in there and he, he, he was, he was torn between it, you know, because, you know, those guys are out for three months straight, oh, yeah. um, and under the water. And, um, he loved it, but he wanted to have a family and, um, and he knew that that's not, he didn't really want to, you know, have that. There's a lot of guys who are submariners who do have that where their wives, you know, the picture of the wives sitting at the dock waiting for the boat to come in. Uh, he didn't want, he didn't want that. So that's why he, he got out, um, at eight years and uh, started his family. He's actually, he's, he just got married, uh, two years ago. They're just getting ready to have their first kid. So, uh, same thing, you know, it's just, uh, it's that, I don't know, man, it's that disciplined life. I'm, I'm so grateful that he, 
decided to go into the military like he did, like I'm sure you are, you know, that it, it, it gave you all of those advantages, you know, that, that a lot of us, you know, didn't take advantage of. So what, what, what do you see, um, most worshipful, um, where, where are we at currently? Um, you know, as far as masonry goes, um, you know, what's, uh, what's the, what's the good and the bad? What do you, what do you see? What's, what's, what's positive, of late, you know, so far we're what, eight months, uh, into the, the new year here, um, on a grand lodge. I'm not asking you to, you know, comment you kind of are, but I'm kind of asking, <laughs> you kinda are. I, I kind of want to know from a past grand master, current, you know, past grand master, um, where, what do you see? What's the positive? What's, what's going on? That's, that's good. That's positive about, uh, our craft. So, you know, with, with everything, uh, there's always cycles. Nothing is ever just steady. Right. Yeah. Um, everything goes through a cycle, and and Freemasonry is is no exception. We go through cycles. We go we go up and we go down. And um, currently, I see Freemasonry on an uptake myself. Okay. Um, I wonder how they got on an uptake. Yeah. Well, maybe Worshipful Foster had something to do with that. <laughs> right. Well, so when I was Grandmaster, you know, every Grandmaster wants to go into office and say, all right, how am I going to leave my mark on the fraternity? Right. Right. Um, there are some that, that say, I'm going to do this and this is what I'm doing. And then there's a lot of others that say, you know, what are we going to do? So when I became grandmaster, I got the grand line and, and we, during my deputy grandmaster year, as we were traveling around, we, we talked about it and we, we interviewed quite a few brothers. And of course, we all know that brother Chris uh, rose to the top because he had a program that he was doing, um, in his lodge where he was using social media to get the word out about Freemasonry. Right. Yeah. And I thought I was like, Wow, that is so brilliant because, you know, if you look in a newspaper back in the 50s, 40s, 30s, lodges took out, there were little places in the newspaper that said, hey, our lodge is meeting on this night and we have a state of meeting and we're going to do some business or, you know, and back in those days, that was how people got information was through a printed newspaper. Now it's not so much. I mean, everything is pretty much digitized. Everything is online. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our whole even life. newspapers, you know, very, I, I don't, you know, when I was a kid, one of the jobs that I had was a, a, a newspaper boy. I Me too. Delivered newspaper. Made right. good money doing yeah. that for years. Yeah. I don't know that anybody ever does that anymore. There's um, a uh, there's a car that drives by early in the morning at my house and throws newspapers to selected houses out of their car mm. as they drive really? by. Yeah, yeah, and I, I got I think it's the New York Times will do that still. Um, it won't be much longer. Uh, yeah. Now, of yeah. course, you know the New York Times as it goes flying out of the car will break your driveway. You know because it's hu- <laughs> huge as it is. <laughs> I mean, that's a gigantic waste of paper in my the opinion. Car's not but. slowing down, right? They're just <laughs> zipping by and throwing them out. Right. But but anyways, yeah. Your point is well taken. That um, you know, you 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 helped uh, spearhead that that the new the new medium, you know, for for reaching people uh, was digital. 
you know, and it's, yep. a, it's a, it's a digital medium that, um, you know, that you, you were instrumental in helping Chris bring that, uh, before, to the forefront, you know, before that, he well, was, I, 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 he I think was, that's the other way around. I think Chris was, was, uh, instrumental in bringing that to the craft because through his efforts of, you know, holding classes and, you know, at first he held them in person and then he went and had uh, zoom, uh, right. Informational yeah. classes. And, you know, he spent a lot of time and, I, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna put Chris out there. You know, he spent a lot of time with individual lodges, helping them develop their own program and show them what to do. Uh, and a lot of it, if they followed his his advice and his, his instruction, I'm going to say they were pretty successful on it. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna blow the horn of a lodge here in in my area, uh, Cable Lodge Number One Sixteen in, in Green Cove Springs, Florida. They were on a downtick. They were they were really uh, they were struggling. Um, and they got a couple brothers in there, and one of them is Earl Hagenbotham, brother Earl, who oh we know him went to Chris's went to Chris's class and and learned what to do, and you know the man with has, the, the most infectious smile in Freemasonry. Oh yeah, Earl is uh, <laughs> he's he's very unusual and a, and a great Mason and a great brother, but uh, you know he took that on, and you know yes, Grand Lodge incentivized it. Yeah. Uh, we said hey, if you go and spend you know, this amount of money, uh, we'll reimburse you. So mm-hmm. the lodge didn't really have any, uh, there wasn't a, a downside for a lodge to try this. You really gave and, them uh, no reason to say no. They right. had every reason Correct. to say, we'll give it a shot. Correct. Mm-hmm. And, and Brother Earl took that on. And, you know, the last time I talked to him, he had, uh, I think, eight brothers in the pipeline uh, going through getting their degrees uh, to become members of that lodge and it, it's been a great program and one of the things that uh you know i don't want people to forget is that you still have to guard the west gate right yeah, that's right uh, just because somebody can fog a mirror doesn't mean they're going to make a great mission so uh, <laughs> this program just brings them to the door and once they get to the door the lodges need to to weed those people out that that are not going to make good masons right. and, and not let them join. But I mean, I, I, I could be wrong, but if I see an uptick in membership, because now people are starting to realize that you know, there, there are a lot of young men out there right now that are searching for what Freemasonry could offer them. Absolutely. Yeah. And they don't know where to look. No, they, they don't, don't even they know, don't know we the, exist. They've never right, heard they don't of Freemasonry. They questions to ask. So, you know, when you put that out there and you bring them to your front door, you know, that gives you a great opportunity to to do what we're supposed to do, make good men better. Yeah, that's right. Well, even um, I won't take credit. I won't take credit for that because uh, you you came uh, when you before you were uh, the grandmaster. Uh, it was the year before. I think you were there. Yep. You came to our district, and I don't know if you said this at all of the visits, but you said something that I, there were two of us that stood up and gave you a standing ovation, and I'm sure you didn't even notice, but we were like so happy to hear your message. He was, it was a difficult time for our country. There, This is 
I think the beginning of the severe division we were starting to have, and people were really drawing lines in the sand online and being pretty uh, aggressive in the way they were talking. Oh yeah, and um, it was really frustrating because I see a lot of Masons that uh, have their names on trestle boards and you know are known to be Masons. They are showing it all over their profiles on social media, and they would say things that could be pretty offensive to people. And, you know, as a leader representing Freemasonry, uh, people that aren't Masons don't know if they're speaking for the fraternity or themselves as a person. So it gets really confusing. And you stood up and said, hey, do me a favor. Just just spend 10 seconds thinking before you hit submit when you're posting on social media. Maybe just don't say everything that comes into your head. Maybe think about a different way to phrase it or be a little more, you know, friendly and think about brotherly love. And that resonated with me because I was really struggling at the time with what I was seeing yeah. from member, yeah. my own brothers. <laughs> oh, well, and, and that's, you know, that that's where that really struck a chord with me is I would, you know, I, I have a, a, a maternal brother, an actual blood brother, and I would never go up to him and say some of the stuff that I was reading online, yeah. I would never say right. it to him in his face. And, and I'm pretty sure that the people that were writing that stuff would never say that to somebody's face, especially their brother oh, absolutely. or sister or, you know, whatever. But, yeah. you know, they were willing to put that out there online and have their brothers read that stuff. And, you know, then, then you got to try to go sit in lodge. And, you know, there's a good reason why. You don't discuss religion or politics in Lodge because mm-hmm. it is very divisive yeah. and it just brings turmoil. So for us to live in peace and harmony, you just you don't do stuff like that. Right. And yeah. I, that's that's the message I was trying to get across to, to brothers. And, and, and to a point, I think it, it worked. Either it that did. or yeah. people, people stopped letting me read their Facebook page. <laughs> no, no, I think you're right. I think people took notice because you're such a, like everyone loved you. Uh, you just have a personality oh. <laughs> that exudes some kind of like, it's, it's a leadership quality. Is it, it's like an authentic, honest, like right. you said, straight shooting person. And that is something I think everyone's drawn to. And when they're in a leadership role, when they feel like well, I, they're I getting, think it was, I think it was just, I brought it to their attention that, Hey, you know, you're, you're, you're possibly creating a bigger divide and, and they thought about yeah. it and, and agreed and said, yeah. 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 There's definitely a, a new, a new culture, uh, within, certainly within our lodge of, um, of acceptance. Um, and you know, that, that, you know, trying to figure out how we can best work and agree, um, attitude. Um, we in our lodge have, uh, we, we have a kind of a culture that says that, you know, you can talk about, anything you want in lodge, as long as it's done with gentleness and respect for the other person that you're talking to. And, and that right. has kind of caught on. And we had right. a, uh, we had a, um, an esoteric discussion group a couple of months ago where the hottest topics of religion and politics and you, you name sexual it, sexual orientation, sexual, it came up all the difficult in, in a group of, uh, <laughs> our guys, I think, um, six of our, of our lodges in our district were yeah. represented there, several sitting worshipful masters sure. and even a couple of EAs in the room. And we had this great 
flowery uh, conversation about the, the hottest topics. And at the end of the day, everybody remained brothers. Every no one was offended or it hurt. It was a real conversation. It was a real it wasn't conversation. A shouting. It was amazing. Oh, it was a conversation. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I I caution anybody listening who thinks, yeah, I'm going to go try that right now. I would say, stop Ugh. and and it's stop very... yourself and remember that you any conversation you have within within the lodge or as a as a mason in public must be seasoned with that gentleness and respect for others and sometimes gentleness and respect means just keeping your mouth shut just not saying anything go. at all mm-hmm. you know because i i have to the attitude is is that do i do my words have my brother's best interest in heart sometimes it's better just not to say anything and just put your arms around a brother you know and just agree to disagree and or just move on to something different you know yeah and unfortunately, in today's society, we've, we, we've lost that ability to, to have a conversation. Yeah. You know, we're, we're quick to, to bring ourselves down and, and re, you know, respond with insults or right. yeah. uh, violent um, tendencies instead mm-hmm. of, you know, actually thinking about what somebody's saying and then responding intelligently. We just evolve right into, well that's just wrong and and I hate you and uh, right. your yeah. opinion doesn't matter to me. Yeah. We talked about that I think in our last podcast we're going over some of the lecture things that we can talk about and that was definitely one of the things that came up is uh understanding what what, what we like to say is freemasonry gives you training wheels for life. Yeah. Because there you go. the system teaches you how to behave with each other and you almost I mean, 98% of the time when you're in a lodge or around a lodge and you, there's brothers, they do treat each other the right way. Right. They do. Even when they're mad, Absolutely. even when they're not agreeing with each other, they've learned how to have respect for each other and like right. a little bit of tolerance for each other. And so we talk about those are training wheels that at some point you got to take off and go out into the real world and do that too out there. And that was really the problem you'd see someone in lodge <clears throat> and you it's a different person than you'd see online. <laughs> like, who is that person? Oh, well. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, we've been kind of going through that with a, a well-known, a well-known brother out there and um, just absolutely just dumping all kinds of hateful speech on his Facebook page. And, I mean, it's a little bit, I've seen much worse. Yeah. I mean, right, right. But when, you know, when, Hey, Hey brother, can you maybe reconsider you know, that, that kind of direction that you're going in. It's like, if you don't like it, you know, get off my page, get lost, blah, 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 all that stuff. And it's just like, yeah. you know, we're, our attitude is, is, you know, you're still, a, you're still an active Mason in good standing. Therefore, you know, we owe you, we owe you respect, but we don't have to listen to it and we don't have to be a part of it, you know? So we, we decided to just move on from, you know, from that, that particular brother. And because that's all we can do. You know, we, exactly. we can't, I, we fighting we, each other doesn't get anybody in. fighting with each other. Doesn't get anybody. I, like I you think said, sometimes just stop talking. If you're not like, contributing is that what you're saying to me right now? Cause that, that no, 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 no. I'm saying it's a, that's a lesson I've learned. Uh, you can't, you can't police. No, you can't. And I think this, wow. this podcast is dedicated to that Chris comes from a center left uh, viewpoint. Sure, I come from fair. a center right viewpoint. And the two of us have conversations all the time. And um, I look forward to them. I look forward to them too. It's yeah. it's it's enriching. Yeah, and we gain each other's perspective. You know, and and he's he can he has the right to speak into my life and change my mind 
um, and I have the same right to speak into his life. That only happens through, you know, what the, the basics of Freemasonry, man, where we treat yeah. each other right. as brothers. I have my be- I have my brother's best interest at heart in everything that I do. And I mean, I say this all the time on the podcast. Where are you going to find a fraternity or a, an organization um, that that teaches that that lives that? You're not going to find it anywhere right. else. And I think that's one of the reasons why, as we go online into the digital marketplace and show people what masonry really is it's probably one of the reasons why it's ascending um so quickly in my opinion no the, yeah well and you, you know you you get two things one is going back to the brother that's that's uh maybe inappropriate online um you can whisper wise counsel mm-hmm. yeah that's right and, and as as masons that's what we're taught you know if you see a brother that's that's erring you whisper wise counsel. Uh, there's nothing that says he's going to take it. Right. So, yeah. you know, you give them the advice and they take it or leave it. So, yeah. there's, yeah. you know, you got to leave it up to them. But, you know, even if there's only, you got to remember going back to being able to, to talk to one another, that even if there's only two of you, you're probably not going to agree on everything. Right. So it's okay to disagree. It's it's how you disagree. Yeah. You know, I did, I'm sure there's a lot of things that my neighbor and I, and I don't I don't really know my neighbor, but I'm sure there's a lot of things that they do that I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna hate them. Right. right. Yeah. And if you saw them in trouble and in need, you'd help them. Regardless. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Right. You know, you'd put aside any of the you know the uh, those differences. And you and you'd help them, you know, because that's that's the right thing to do. That's what it means to be part of the human family, you know. We've we've so right. lost that in this country. We are so divided, you know. The the left versus right ruse has has kind of um, has has infected every aspect of our lives, you know. And sure. it's it's just become this, you know. You either if you don't agree with everything that I'm about, then I can't I can't help you. I can't be a part yeah. of your life. I can't be open to you. And it's just absolutely killing us out there. You know, it's just, it's, it's cut off all, all hope of any kind of societal healing cannot start until we get rid of that and begin to love our neighbor as ourself again. Well, more, yep. more and more when we talk to these brothers, this is something they really are looking for from the fraternity. They yeah, let, oh, wait, there's a safe environment where I'm not going to deal with this stuff that's out there in the world. Yeah, right. I'm definitely interested in that. Uh, exactly. I think we have the answers here in the fraternity. We've just got to get the word out more now. Right, right. Uh, because... And and the the the... the the social media marketing program that uh, you're very involved in has done a wonderful job, you know, spreading the word and, yeah. and, and, and kind of putting that light out there that says, you know, hey, come over here and, and let's let's talk. And, uh, you know, because you're probably looking for exactly what uh, what we need. Right. Okay, now let's go there. So you're talking about the Grand Lodge Marketing Reimbursement Program that you started. Uh, now, well, the, the the Grand Lodge officers that were yeah. in office when I was Grandmaster, we started it. Uh, sure, I was there the day I think it was born, and um, <laughs> you were definitely leading the conversation. I'll put it that way. Uh, 
And, and so what I'm curious of, because I saw um, on like the the everyday man side of that story myself firsthand, uh, I saw <clears throat> a Grand Lodge officer that appeared to be doing something radically different than had ever been done and being quite bold and getting his entire line involved and them buying into it as well, which is an important part of leadership, Absolutely. especially in Freemasonry. But what I'm curious of is your side of that story. Did you get, was it difficult for you to communicate your vision to people or did, were they very accepting early on? And like how difficult no, was it um, for you to get that kind of a thing going on from your side? Yeah. So when I talked to, uh, you know, the Grand Lodge officers and, and, and other administrators, they said, hey, you know, because I don't think there's ever been a grandmaster that's gone into office that says, I want to hurt the fraternity. Right. You know, we all, we all sacrifice a lot to get in line and, and say, okay, one day I'm going to be the leader. Um, and that sacrifice is generally, I want to help the fraternity. What, what, what can I do to make the fraternity better when I'm out of office than when I'm going into office? Mm-hmm. And, that was, you know, I don't know what made me think of it uh, or what brought it to, you know, but I saw what you were doing and I, I heard stories and I said, you know, on a bigger scale, that that would help our fraternity. And I started talking to, you know, the deputy grandmaster, senior grand warden, junior grand warden, the candidates that were, you know, trying to get elected and they were you could see it in their eyes when you started talking they were like, Oh yeah, you know, that'd be a great thing to do. So we developed this program, you know, the grand secretary and grand treasurer were involved and, you know, we all got together, put our heads together and, and came up with this program. And then the big question was to you, brother Chris, you know, would you be willing to help us out? And of course you jumped right on board and said, sure. And I think, that it's just grown immensely and, and it's doing a great job. It's a great um, tool that the Grand Lodge uh, really is providing is. to the lodges that they need desperately. I think it's a testimony too to my partner's tenacity because um, I spoke, I've, I've talked to him over these couple of years about uh, this, this program ever since I became, you know, involved through his program, by the way, that's the reason <laughs> why I'm here today. Yeah. Um, but is it, it was that it, there was no way that this man was going to give up. <laughs> it was he was wrestling that bear every single day, and the bear finally said, "Fine, fine." It was, it was magical for me when Most Worshipful Foster shocked me and took me aside. I was not prepared for the conversation we had, <laughs> along with all the other Grand Lodge officers, right? And I'm Mister Nobody. Over here, um, well, I, was, I think it was more of, oh my God, this this guy's going to ask me to do a lot of work, and it's going to take a lot of time and effort. Honestly, the opposite. I thought, I thought in that moment, what did I do wrong? What <laughs> did I do to cause this? Like, this is not good. There's like four guys here with gold collars. I don't think this is normal, and I was really scared. Uh, but yeah, it turns out it was a good conversation. It was a it was a um, a course changing conversation. It really changed the course, and I think uh, I think we'll look back 
um, on that, that conversation that started the whole thing that brought you in, Chris, and through the initiative uh, that Most Worshipful Foster put together in his Grand Lodge, that moment, that movement um, was, was absolutely uh, going to be pivotal uh, in, in Florida, masonry for the state of Florida, and perhaps even, even beyond. And I think it, it also ties into this, this new um, uh, movement towards um, continuing, you know, the five to yeah. seven year plan yeah. of, of the, the oh. worshipful master, not just doing his thing and then leaving, but, but taking, taking the mantle of the, the five year plan that he came into and adding another year to it to push it forward so that we have that continuity you know and that's, that's a big that's a big conversation happening right now i saw it in grand lodge uh, it, at the communication and big that's time. most worshipful fosters mark also i think he this is what you did here really did kind of bring that to the forefront of we really need to look at continuation of certain programs that right. master set up and continuity so oh, yeah yeah, and and I preach that uh, the entire time was we've got to stop inventing the wheel every year. We right, you know, if, if we got a good wheel, let's use it. So, yeah, it's it's, and, and I even see ahead. that in lodges. You know, I talk to to junior wardens and senior wardens. You know, and hey, what are you, what are you planning on during your year? And, uh, well, I'm not planning on anything. Cause, <laughs> you know, maybe I won't get elected. So, and, and I think. And brother Chris, you're probably experiencing this that from the time you get installed as master to the time you hand the reins over to the next guy, it goes quick. Very There's not quick. a whole lot of time to, to nope. think and implement stuff. And you really need to start thinking about, you know, how are you going to better your lodge as senior deacon, junior warden? Don't don't wait until right before you get elected because you're going to run out of time real quick. Yeah, that's right. Oh, we've seen that firsthand. There are certain people I personally know and been friends with that started planning their year four years in advance. Right. And they lined up like 25 huge things they were going to wait until their year to do. And then their year came and it just exploded because the reality was. Right. Your plans don't mean anything if you don't, if it's not the lodge's plan. <laughs> Your plans exactly. aren't going to go far. <laughs> right. And what, exactly. what I see by the Lodge's plan is that the, the five to seven year yeah. ongoing plan right. is makes that possible. Yeah. Right. Because you and I, I remember coming up to Chris on June, right around June 1st. And I, and I don't know if this is true. You tell me if I'm, I'm right. Lies. Chris. But I, I said to him, I said to him, <laughs> you know, it, how's it feel to be six months into it? And he kind of looked at me like, holy crap, it's been six months. Yeah, I have. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I failed already if it's six months. Sheesh. It's like, what? Wait, it's half over? Well, even now, like right after Grand Lodge, I f shortly after, I feel like, and you, I'm sure you understand most worshipful, my thinking has changed towards passing it to the next year already. I'm right. already trying to make that transition happen now. Right. Um, rather well, yeah, than, I, I'm not pushing my any kind of agenda. I'm, I'm, I'm in a phase where I'm like getting people really ready to take over tomorrow. Um, and making sure the continuity is going to happen. And I'm already trying to step back from things because right. I don't want it to be a hard transition when it happens. Yeah. And, and that's a good thing. You know, that the, the days of, well, this is my year. We're going to do what I want. Yeah. You know, 
the lodge's name, just because you become worshipful master, the lodge is still going to retain its name. It doesn't become, <laughs> you know, Jeff Foster Lodge number two sixty seven. Right. You know, well, I like the sound case, of that it was lodge. Still, Orange Park Lodge. You know, well, I don't because you can't have a you can't have a lodge named after a living past grandmaster. So, <laughs> 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 to get a lodge named after you, you got to do one. Very uh, yeah, primitive thing, and okay. I'm not ready to do that. Yeah, yet. yeah that's Good. right. That's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, you know, the lodge just because they've elected you as uh, junior warden, senior warden, worship master, and and it, and it even goes to just because you got elected as junior grand warden, senior grand warden, deputy grand master, grand master, you need to push uh, uh, the fraternity or a group as a whole, not just, you know, this is my one year to shine uh, mentality. Cause that, that does nothing for the fraternity. And no. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and we've seen it. We've seen it. Sure. We've uh, seen some lodges in, in real, real dire straits um, because the worshipful master is literally trying to make it about him. It's amazing how much damage you can do in a and short the, amount of time. The shockwaves uh, are literally reaching yeah. our entire district. It doesn't district. take long. Yep. No. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, All you got to do is is get in there and aggravate a couple brothers, and they stop coming to lodge. Yep. And, you know, then a couple more stop coming to lodge. Yep. And pretty yeah. soon you, you have nobody showing up. Yeah, it's a volunteer organization, and they forget that. You know, that um, I when I go to work and my boss is you know, giving me a hard time about something, I can't just not come anymore. <laughs> right. But here at Lodge, if it gets really bad, well, I mean, I'm just, yeah. I'm just done. I, I didn't sign up for some guy yelling at me or, or doing all of these poli- political moves and all that. I, I have no tolerance for that. And most men don't. We didn't come here for that. Well, it's too easy to vote with your feet. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, well, exactly. Just say, okay, exactly. if this is how it's going to be, I'll just go watch TV tonight. No problem. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'll hang exactly. out with the wife. Yeah, And once you do that two or three times, it's really hard to get them back. Yeah, that's true. Oh, it is. Once you get out of the habit of, of you know, going to lodge, it, it's real easy to get into the habit of not going to lodge. Easier than getting into the habit of actually showing up. Yeah, so, that's right. And what then you end you, up with all the brothers that they pay, faithfully pay their dues, but they just won't walk into the door. Yeah, and we have a we have a lot of brothers like that. Oh, yeah. they just they they faithfully pay their dues because they they there was a time when they were very active in lodge and something happened. Whether I'm not I don't know whose fault it was. It was a personal or, thing yeah. happened, and um, they still have an investment in masonry. That's why they continue to pay their dues every year. But they're not. Right. They're not coming back in until somebody reaches out to them and says, hey, this is what's happening now. And uh, I, I'm hoping that our lodge has, we do have an initiative to reach back to active members yeah. uh, and make phone calls to them. It's, it's, it's a little difficult, but we're, we're slowly working through it and just trying to ask, ask brothers who are faithfully paying their dues for years and years but have not come to lodge. Hey man, why why aren't you coming? And what what can we do to get you back in? You know, and I, I it's a worthy initiative. We have three hundred and eighty, I think it is three hundred and eighty active members. So it's a big list to uh, to go back through. But uh, I know I know I've signed up to do it. Yeah, 
um, and a couple of other brothers have signed up to do it. We haven't seen a lot of fruit from it, but it's definitely something that's in the works. Well, what I found, because I, nice. I got a list from the secretary and I, yeah. I made calls early in my year. I had this grand idea. I'm going to call every member personally as the master. <laughs> in a weekend. I got through about 15 names this year. Right, right. But, I, you know, in that small sampling, there are two dead brothers. Right, right. That we didn't even know had passed. And their, and their dues are still being paid by their estate, right. And we're paying per capita for them still. And we never, yep. you know, did anything for the family. It's just that I was really upset by that. that that's upsetting, Small right? sampling that I did. It even happened uh, yesterday. I had a 50-year presentation come from Grand Lodge, and I called the brother, and his wife said he passed. Oh. He would have loved this, but he passed. I, yeah, that's I, terrible. That's not yeah. good. Yeah, that's not good. And that's that's something that we're working through in our lodge. And that's part of the ongoing sure. next year uh, when Zach yeah. is Worshipful Master, he'll have to deal with it as well. And yep. we're just going to keep we're going to keep working through these issues yep. because um, it doesn't stop when Worshipful Burns um, hands nope. a mantle over nope. to uh, up and coming uh, Worshipful Zach. Uh, Weegly. Weegly. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> That goes back to what Morse Worshipful Foster said in the beginning with the social program. He cautioned, be careful about the Westgate. Yeah, that's right. So that's right. anybody you let into your lodge can become the master of that lodge. That's right. And it's our responsibility. We're not advancing people just one chair by one chair because you did the time. You have to think about who best can work for the lodge. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And if you see problems like recognize it don't let it just go because we've seen that in a few short months uh a problem in leadership can do damage that's going to take years to fix yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely it could destroy a lodge yeah and i know it's hard to come out of a hole once you're in it and so that could put them in a tailspin that really could take the lodge down completely if it's not fixed yeah well because yep. it's a whole year and um when you say you know it could destroy a lodge uh, that's a very real statement because yep. that person is in 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 charge for an entire year and you can do you can do terminal damage to a lodge in a year's time for sure it's just like our country you know we have a beautiful country a beautiful system of government a perfect right. almost perfect document that we guide ourselves by and uh through people having an idea that oh it's fine it's always going to be fine we're always going to have this no no we have to protect it yeah. <laughs> we might not always yeah. have this it's the same for our lodges i know there's a i see so many people that think oh i was here for so long it's going to be fine like, yeah. people say that and it makes me so mad it's not going to be fine if you think it's not that. i um i visited no. <laughs> go ahead go ahead I, i'm sorry but you can you can find you know Go to some of the lodges that have real small numbers after them, you know, that were there towards the beginning of, of Freemasonry in Florida, the Grand Lodge, and um, just visit. Yeah. And, you know, attrition and, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of another word, but um, as Masons, we get into a rut, you yeah. know. We we elect somebody to the east and and they don't they don't want to do this and they don't want to do that and you know the next thing you know it you've lost what you're supposed to be doing in lodge and yeah. it becomes you know a, a, just another meeting right and the next thing you know it your membership is not showing up just for another meeting 
Yeah. And we've, we've kind of lost that a little yeah. bit in, in our in masonry. We need to get back to it. It's the culture, really. Yeah. The Exactly. We need to, and that, oh, man, I, this is why I wanted to talk to you so badly. Because <laughs> you get it. You get it. <laughs> we, we, you know, that, I, I, when I was coming up in the line, I thought people were crazy for starting to plan their year years in advance. I'm like, look at how fast things are changing. I'm not going to have the same lodge in four years that I'm sitting in today. And I don't even know if I'll make it there. So every idea I had, I brought it up to whoever was the master. We tried to do it. So when, my, when it came time for me to be in the chair, I had no agenda because, you know, every idea I had, we already tried. <laughs> or, or implemented. <laughs> yeah. And so my whole push for our lodge is just to maintain the pureness of Freemasonry as much as we possibly could. And that's what we wanted for our line this year. And and to start our five-year plan was to just get back to the most basic tenets of Freemasonry, that we're going to love each other, we're going to be passionate about Freemasonry, and we're always going to act like Masons. And I think that's where Nothing you have to start, that. right? You got to right. start at the that's beginning. Right. You got to deal with the culture before you can deal with the lodge building or the membership problems if your culture's not right you can't fix anything else that's right yeah and and culture is changed by 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 changing hearts and minds that's how you change exactly. a culture you can't mandate it uh, from on high because it's no. it's not going to work you're only going to reinforce people's stubbornness uh, by trying to make them do something that they don't understand through through clearly defining what it is that you'd like to do and engaging people uh, where they're at, you know, with that with that mindset of, hey, this is our lodge. Do you do? One of the questions we ask people all the time is, do you care if your great grandson uh, is a member of this lodge? Would that be something that you would work towards? Does it matter to you if your lodge is here in twenty five years? Does that matter to you? And that's that's part. That's the mindset and culture we're trying to instill in people. It's like this, this is your lodge, but it's also your great grandchildren's lodge. If yeah. you'll have it, if you'll work towards it, you know? Yep. Yep. This is beautiful, Absolutely. beautiful gift to humanity that like, it takes a lot of work to keep it protected. <laughs> That's right. And, and we're, we're actually kind of behind the eight ball. We want to keep it protected, but we have to first, we have to rebuild it. So to speak, you know, we have to get back to that place where, you know, um, our lodge, uh, 147, if you look at uh, the newspaper clippings of the 19, you know, uh, 1950s and 60s, that lodge was in the paper every weekend, man. Mm -hmm. They were active <laughs> yeah. in everything. Yeah. The mayor was a mason yeah. of, the, uh, of our lodge, you know, and it, it just, it's, it's not that way anymore. There's a famous picture um, in, our, in our local newspaper from the late mm -hmm. 60s where the, the Masonic parade was going down Main Street and it was massive, and everybody came out mm -hmm. um, to you know to participate in this Masonic um, you know the lodge parade, and 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 it was active in the community and stuff, and and we we got to get back there. We got to get away from hiding behind all of the misinformation and cowering to it. You know, we're we're real bold on on telling people what masonry truly is. You know, that we're not a conspiracy. We're not you know we're not this. We're not not any of that stuff. It's one um, of the main missions of our podcast, really. We, when that's right. Every time we record, I imagine I'm talking to somebody that doesn't know anything about Freemasonry. That's right, yeah. And try to make sure, because <clears throat> it is for Masons, obviously, they want to talk about esoteric stuff. But in my mind, you know, when I was, before I was initiated, I consumed all the stuff I could to try to understand it better. Right. And there were certain 
YouTube uh, masons who are making content for people like me that aren't masons to tell them things that they right. can understand. And so I, I think that's really a, a good way we can try to get ahead of that a little bit. We can, cause there's a lot we can be open about. Absolutely. And, then, and a lot of brothers don't understand that, you know, that, Oh, well, we're a secret society. We're not really a secret society. We have secrets that society doesn't know about. Right. Um, but you know, there's a, a lot of organizations that um, have stuff that that only members know. Pretty much every organization, if right, you think that, of it, yeah, that's right. <laughs> there's yeah. always something that's not public. Right, but you know, Freemasonry is has been around for so long that you know there's a lot of conspiracy theories and a lot of misinformation. <clears throat> I think it's only because we've been around for so long. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of information that people should know. Yeah. And, and, and we're in a day and age where, a, you know, a, a conspiracy theory goes a long way online. You know, everybody wants oh my goodness. Of, lots of clicks right, and views, lots of clicks and stuff, but, <laughs> Subscribe. you know, and, and I know that the, the conspiracy stuff is not helpful for our cause, but I got to be honest. And I say this all the time. I, I just, I kind of dig it. <laughs> it is a double-edged sword. I kind of <laughs> like the fact that they look at me a little mysterious. You know, I got some yeah. family members up in North Carolina who just totally don't get it, Yeah, you know, and I'm more than happy to let them keep thinking what they're thinking. Right. You know, it's just give them a little <laughs> wink, you know, and I was, I was up there visiting and um, we were, we were getting breakfast and the one family member I'm thinking about, there happened to be a brother, uh, Mason, in line to pay to leave the restaurant, you know, and I could tell because he had a tattoo on his back calf, you know. So I went up to him and I shook his hand, you know, and um, and just said, "Hey, brother, it's good to see you, brother. It's good to see a brother up here in North Carolina." And, and we, we kind of did the chest bump, mm-hmm. handshake thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. And as I walked away, I could see them looking at me like, "What did you just do?" And oh, it was just like your family, uh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 uh, a couple of fam- extended family members, yeah. you know, because they think. They truly buy into this entire Illuminati thing, you know, yeah. and it's just like, oh. it's like, you know what? I'm going to let you go. Go ahead. Go ahead and believe that. Yeah. Even though you've known me since you were a child. <laughs> right. You know, you, you've known me since you were a little kid. You know my faith. You know my conduct. But go ahead. Yeah. You can listen to the <laughs> online guys as opposed to listening to your uncle, you know, whatever. There you go. Yeah. Along that same lines, uh, you know, when I was coming in my early days masonry, um, people would, would kind of approach me and, and talk about that same same line of thinking, you know, oh, you guys are the Illuminati, you know, you, <laughs> you have this great treasure map somewhere. That's, you know. <laughs> and I would always just kind of, you know, tilt my head a little, look at them and go, so, you know, George Washington was a mason, uh, Ben Franklin was a Mason. Uh, we've had astronauts that were Masons. Uh, do you think that those people would be as great as they are if they really followed those lines of what you're thinking they are? Yeah, right. And, you know, they kind of, you know, you could see a little light flicker in their eyes. Yeah, yeah. And maybe That's true. It, oh, it is. It is absolutely true. And, and I mean, fantastical thinking. Um, it, it, it kind of lives in that online orb, right? So this fantastical conspiratorial thinking and you, you bring it into your head and you, it lives in your head until you meet someone like us and we ask questions like that. 
think about what you're saying, <laughs> you know, for a second, you know, Th- just, just let me just bring you know two me or three for simple facts. You've you known me forever. All of a sudden I started eating babies one <laughs> All day. All of a sudden I'm eating babies and doing things with goats. And it's like, right. I, 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 and, but, and you can just see them deflate a yeah. little bit. There's a little bit of disappointment, like where, wait, wait. You mean it's not a conspiracy? You mean it's just a bunch of men trying to yeah. lift each other up so to better society and themselves and their families? Yeah. Uh, that's no exactly. fun. What is that? I don't. <laughs> I don't care about that. <laughs> it's true. I have family like yours, and it's fun in a way. It kind, they, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. It's just a little bit fun. You can't really engage people that have a preset you know right. it's really not wise to in my opinion no you're right you don't want to enter into not it because really. then you're just you're you're you become yeah. like that yeah right? that's what it says yeah. in proverbs right if if you argue with people like that you tend to become like them if yeah. somebody's watching you uh, the word is fool I, that's a pretty harsh word but the if if somebody is watching you trying to argue with a foolish person that person is going to say to themselves, look, there's two fools. <laughs> right. And, and you, don't want exactly. that. you don't want that. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's a lot more fun because they'll, uh, you know, I got, <clears throat> I was uh, obsessed with learning the ritual work. And after I learned all that and got all the proficiency cards, I was like, what else can I do in my life? So I started to learn the piano, something I not really learned, but I memorized. Oh, he learned it. I didn't learn it. I just memorized. I kept the memory thing going. And uh, my wife's family, <laughs> you know, great. they have a piano in their house. So one day, I they know I'm not a musical guy, but I sat down and played a little bit of classical music, you know. And they were like, "Whoa, did the Freemasons make you do that?" <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind it. of stuff I get from them. Like they'll just randomly, <laughs> and they're talking about like you know the cost of a- uh, avocados, and they'll be like, "What did the Freemasons think about that?" Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, when we're sacrificing the virgin, it's important to have avocados. <laughs> exactly. You got to have fresh avocados. So. It's just amazing what people think out there. And, you know, like you said, it's still, it's just, it's a little fun in a way. Right. You don't really right. engage. I'm not going to represent Freemasonry to people. No, that's right. It's, it's, there's a saying in the, in the scripture that talks about uh, casting your pearls. This is another harsh saying, a harsh word. I don't mean it the way it sounds, but casting your pearls among swine. In other words, taking what is precious, that. taking what is precious to you and is important to you and, and casting it before people who have absolutely no desire to understand it um, and, and no concern whatsoever for how much you care about it. It's unwise. Don't do it. Yeah. You know, just just be be discerning and uh, take for for Chris and I and I know you as well. Most worshipful masonry is important to us. And we're very Absolutely. passionate about it, and we we think it has it has something to offer society. So to to we to cast it, it before people who simply blow it off or want to disrespect you or it is not it's not wise. And we don't we don't engage that. We I I love them. They're like I was talking about my family members. I love them to death. I would do anything for them. But honestly, I am not in the market to share with them something that they're simply not gonna they're not going to understand or want to understand in any ways, you know? So it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know why I got off on that rabbit. <laughs> well, well and, and so if I can, yeah, please um, do. Oh, you can. That is why, uh, along that line of thinking, why we don't solicit membership in Freemasonry. Yeah. We wait for somebody to seek it out because if, if, if they're looking for it, uh, 
those are the type of people we want because they're going to embrace our way of thinking. Uh, if you try to convert, mm-hmm. uh, and that may not be the best word to use, no, but I if you're going to try to, you know, to, to, to convince somebody that doesn't want it, that this is who we are and this is what we do, they're not going to really accept it. Right. So that, that, that's why, you know, with, with what you were just saying, that's why we wait until somebody comes to us and says, you know, tell me about masonry. Right. Cause then they're in a, they have the mindset and the humility Correct. to, to be taught. They're teachable at that moment, you know, and then, and then, you know, you just simply share the facts with them, you know, about what it truly is. And it, it works. It really does yep. work. Cause, um, I mean, we see all kinds of guys coming in yeah. uh, to us. and um, But they're very desirous of understanding yeah. how Freemasonry can help them understand the world better. And right, right, yeah. And it's it's like you said, because so they had... Exciting. A, so exciting. It's like we're yeah. so lucky. It's just wave after wave of these people who are such high-quality people. Yeah, we're we're making new Masons every month. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, I ab- couldn't have absolutely. imagined this like Abs- four years ago. Yeah. It would have been unthinkable what we're doing. Oh what, yeah. What absolutely. we're seeing. We're it's it's because the the program um is is initiated or has kind of stemmed from uh Worshipful Burns here. Most worshipful foster. Most worshipful foster here. But the it's kind of we're at the fountainhead here and uh we get the full benefit of the system. And uh, of course now Chris has been blessed with a lot of brothers who have come alongside him. Um, yeah. John Schaefer yeah. in one of them, shout out to John who has really just picked up the mantle yeah. on, on, on doing the Sunday open house yep. and, uh, br- you know, calling these brothers every week, every time we get, we get names, you know, off, off the system, he calls them right away. He invites them down. They come down and he, he, he schedules people to join him. Like I was down there the other day with him and they sit and talk and give him a tour and give him a, you know, a, a basic understanding of what it is, what they can expect, and then hands them a petition. And uh, he's he's like uh, 80% of the petitions he hands out come back. This I is mean, what happens when yeah, you work a program wow. properly. The right. Grand Lodge, these are the tools Grand Lodge is providing us. All we have to do is work them. Yeah, and then and then continuing along that same line, what, what, it, what happened was we just got bombarded, and you know where I'm going with this, we got bombarded with new petition, with new candidates, and all of a sudden, we needed mentors, mm-hmm. and we needed we needed catechism instructors. We needed we needed to engage them. We needed to do masonry correctly so that it would engage them more and more into the ritual work and into the uh, into the line and all of the the serving side of it. Uh, so we've had to, and we have, go back to creating the the proper Masonic structures. Right back w- to the basics. Back to the basics within our house to make sure that when those men come in. Um, they're properly mentored. Uh, the catechism instruction is done correctly and properly. Um, the degree work is, um, is our, our, degree, our degree work is getting pretty good. I got to say it's, sure. it's really starting to it's really starting to get get good. We've got um, our uh, our our degree team. Well, we have a state competition uh, team state that competition is largely made up of. Some 147. Yeah, some 147, nice. which is really... F- Anyways, <laughs> the point is... is <laughs> Right, I know. That I, bragging I, now. We're just bragging. Well, I, I can't brag. I'm, I am... Nothing they, wrong with they that. Stuck me, <laughs> they stuck me in as junior warden because it's very easy in the EA. 
Um, but I am the turkey flying with these eagles because there Nothing are. Nothing is easy when it comes to competition. No, Rachel. it's not easy. Nothing. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. But I am thankful that I was not asked to be, you know, senior senior deacon, deacon or yeah. something that requires actual skill because yeah. I am I am struggling. But you know, we've got we've got uh, uh, right worshipfuls and uh, mm-hmm. past uh, uh, deputy grandmasters and in- past instructors. And, um, and then there's me, the two year master Mason. So it's, it's, I am honored. Don't get me wrong. I'm absolutely honored and I am doing my best to step up and make sure I don't let anyone down. But it's, it's a really, this is a clearly a rabbit trail I'm going down. Um, but it's, it's, it's clearly been just an absolute privilege and, and absolutely just, uh, caused me to want to be in degree, do degree work more and more and more. And I'm going to try to tie this back to where we were is that the, the degree work, uh, being involved within the lodge and doing yeah. the lodge work yeah. is what makes masonry, uh, what makes masonry exciting. And it's like I've said before on the show, it's like the, the cure for masonry is masonry. Sure. You know, doing masonry yeah. correctly. There's is, nothing that needs to be invented or we don't need to invent anything. Here. Just do it right. <laughs> exactly. And and they will come, you know, because it's awesome. It's yeah. exactly what men want, you know? Exactly. May I ask you some personal questions before we go? Sure. Not too terribly personal, but I'm I'm really curious, uh, before you became a Mason, which for you was uh two thousand four, if I'm correct. Uh-huh. So you had you had a life, obviously. You lived a, a full life before you joined Freemasonry. Was there anything in your pre-Masonic life that you think really set you up for what you became in Masonry? Working through all the chairs, you know, the district, and then becoming a Grand Lodge officer and working through the Grand Line and serving as the Grand Master. And now, for the rest of your life, being an ambassador for Freemasonry, like before you became a Mason... <laughs> Was there anything like event that you can look at and say, I think this really like was the start of what I was going to become as a Mason? So I don't know. I mean, it was always, I guess, predetermined that I was going to join the fraternity. My, my great grandfather was, was a Mason, was master of Matawan Lodge in New Jersey. My my grandfather was a Mason. Uh, my dad was a Mason. So, you know, just following in lines. And, and I look back and I say, you know, my dad, um, he was one of those guys that if he told you he was going to do something, he did it. There was never any question about whether or not it was going to be done. And when I was young, I, I never really, you know, that, that, that never occurred to me. That never really, you know, popped into my head as, as you know, he didn't need something in writing, you know, to say he was going to do it. If he shook your hand and said that, you know, I'll sell you my house for $10 and he shook your <laughs> hand, you were buying his house for 10 bucks. Um, and it, it took a little later on in life for me to realize, you know, those traits in him. Mm. But as I as I grew up, as I matured, I saw those traits and I was like, 
those are the traits that I want to emulate. And, and, I, and I can tell you right now, my dad will tell you, I was a rotten kid. Um, <laughs> you mean there, you were, there were you times were where he kid? said, he, he, <laughs> well, exactly. You know, and, and one of his favorite sayings is, you know, there were times where he wouldn't even trust me to count nails in a barrel somewhere, you know, but uh, <laughs> I, I think, uh. you know, joining the military and, and having a good work ethic instilled in me and, you know, the, the, some of the traits that, that get instilled to you serving in the military, of, you know, you have responsibility and now you have authority and responsibility, and, you know, coming up. And, and one of the, and I'm going to digress a little bit, but one of the things that I was, I will eternally be sorry for was that I didn't seek masonry out while I was in the military um, earlier that, you know, I missed out on a lot, but I, I didn't know, you know, because yeah. my dad's an old school Mason and you, you just you don't talk about masonry. So I never really knew um, what I was missing until after I got it. And then it was like, man, I wish I'd have <laughs> sought this out earlier. But, you know, I always thought, you know, I was in the military. I didn't have time to, to belong to an organization and do anything. Because I didn't know I was ignorant. Um, and, and and I tell people, anybody that'll listen, you know, if you ever thought about being a Mason, you need to seek it out as early as possible. Don't don't wait until till later on in life. Yeah, and, I agree with that. You no, know, hundred uh, percent. Ever since I've joined, there's been people that I'm like drawn to, like a moth to a flame, because they're just great men. There's something about them. They're just great men. And right. like you're talking right. about, you can smell authenticness and uh, that kind of like sincerity. And all of those men, when I, and I do ask them, is there anything you regret or you wish you would have done? And they always say what you just said. I wish I had started sooner. Yeah. That's absolutely. absolutely. They all say that. I just wish I had started sooner because this has been the greatest thing in my life. Yep. And they've served so much and given so much, but all they talk about, like you, is what you've gotten out of it, what it's given you. And all I see is, wow, you've sacrificed a lot. <laughs> I think that's the beauty of it, isn't it? And your time and, you know, a lot of sacrifice for something. Uh, and, it, and, and that's what I think the outside people don't get is you're getting so much from it. Yeah, that's right. It's not money. You're not getting your I'm sure no. you haven't enriched yourself as a Mason or through Masonry. <laughs> no, not no. not financially. <laughs> yeah. That line No, is a, but it's it's all been a labor of love and you know, it I would give until I, I can not give anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it like like we say all the time, Masonry is what men are looking for. It's a it's a you know, it's a band of brothers. It's, uh, you know, it's us holding each other up, something greater than ourselves. And, uh, you know, our ritual work and the things we do, um, the teachings, um, the, the working tools, the understanding and enlightenment that Masonry brings to a, a man's mind uh, within the context of being surrounded by brothers who are like-minded is exactly what men are looking for. It's how God created us. He did not create right. us to be alone no. uh, fighting by ourselves because a soldier who fights by himself is, is going to die. There, it's a guaranteed fact. But if you are yep. strong within that regiment 
of uh, and now I'm talking like a military guy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how or why, uh, but yeah, we're stronger together. I feel it. I was in. I was sitting in. We were doing an EA degree the other day, man, and I was sitting there in my chair uh, as part of the degree team, and I swear I I could become emotional. I was over there. it. And yeah, I, I had and the it same was just feeling. like, gosh, yeah. I love this. There's something place, special, man. It. Yeah, I love these brothers. They love me. This is what. When the this ritual is, work is good, you know you're you're getting an experience that hundreds of years of people have gotten right. just as good as you did. And there's yeah. something magical about getting to be part of it. Yeah, yeah. And you so, recognize that. So if you're if you're listening uh, to this and if you've listened this long, uh, good on you. You're you're a hero to us. Um, <laughs> They'll listen for hours because most wishful fosters. That's you. that's right. That's right. We yeah, have, we have the ultimate true. hook. Um, but it, yeah, if you're if you're listening uh, and you're not a Mason. Um, Please, we say it all the time. Go down to your local lodge and talk to them and find out what they're about. Um, feel feel the energy for yourself. Feel the energy for yourself. Get involved. And if you are currently a Mason and you're saying to yourself, "Well, I don't see any of that stuff at my lodge," there's a reason for that because you haven't done anything about it yet. So get busy. Exactly. Get busy. If you see the need, be the need. That's if you see it, be it. Go do it. Get inside your lodge and uh, and make some positive changes and reach out to us. That's what this podcast here is for. We will help you. We know some. We know we know some big shots, man. <laughs> yeah. We we got, we got people, man. So here's another one for you. That was and thank you for that. Um, but you okay? We're talking to a man who is a military guy, has a family, joined the fraternity, literally worked through every chair. He was the secretary of a lodge for, what was it, six years? God bless you. Six years, yep. Yep. Became a district deputy, committeeman, right? Went to the grand line. Like, he did everything the hard way, the way that you're supposed to do it. Earned the respect of everyone. Blazed trails with the social media campaign. You really, I think, were instrumental in part of what is happening with the Prince Hall situation. Oh, God bless you. Like, he has done just so much. And now, uh, as a past Grandmaster, the the part that pains me is that these men have a sense of, I need to not, I need to go into the background and be in the shadows now. And it's like such a loss of the fraternity, I think, that you can't be as engaged as I wish you were <laughs> and out there. But now you're here on our podcast, and I would, I'm, you know, you are uh, a real person. You're a man, and you're you love this fraternity, and you know potentially everybody in the state of Florida that maybe are Masons but don't even go to lodge, don't go to the Grandmaster visits. You have an opportunity to talk directly to them. Is there anything you would say to those Masons out there? The only thing that I would I would encourage is if you are not passionate about Freemasonry. Do a little self-reflection and, and ask yourself, why have, has that flame extinguished itself? Because you were obviously passionate enough to seek it out. What happened to get that flame to go out? Why? Why did it go out? And then do something about that reason and see if you can't get that flame reignited and and make your lodge and, and Freemasonry better. Mm. I love that. Yeah, that's right. And I like the the word uh, self do some self reflection. Yeah. yeah. Take it yeah. Well take, absolutely where I are mean, you at? Where are you at with this? Yeah. 
stop pointing you know, fingers at shadows and other things and look at yourself. What's yeah? What's got you upset? Was it just a little thing? Was it just a person? Was it a personal situation? Yeah, because I, I can guarantee you, if that's you out there, um, you, you're needed. We need you oh, back. Yes, we need you back. Absolutely. Uh, we need you good and whole and strong and back amongst your brothers um, and and pushing forward because our country. I, masonry has something to offer this hurting country. And, uh, and I think that's, a, that's, there's just no denying it. And it's, it's, it's going to happen. We're going that way. It's yeah. ascending, it's growing. Uh, and, and we will see, we, we will see it back well, you, to its former well, glory. Absolutely. Well, I'm really encouraged because I've started to get an opportunity to travel more. I'm getting invited now to Master Mason Associations to speak about the Grand Lodge marketing program. Oh, nice. And Very you, nice. Yeah. I, I was just at District 21, which is a huge district, 14 lodges. Wow. Yes. They, they cover a lot of square miles. Too. Yeah. It's massive, that district. And that poor, <laughs> poor, right, Worshipful Simpson has to make four visits to 14 lodges this year, and they are not close <laughs> together. <laughs> He's doing an amazing job. But what really impressed me about that is this was a somewhat hostile crowd to the ideas that I was talking about. And um, the right Worshipful literally stood up and said, listen, guys. Nobody's asking the real questions that you want to ask. Ask them. He doesn't, he's not going to get offended. You're not going to upset him. He's not going to melt. Say what you want to say. And uh, it turned into an hour long discussion at that Master Mason Associate. Oh, the the most passionate nice. brothers, Master stood up. And these guys have been working tirelessly for like a decade, turning their lodges around almost single handedly, some of them. And it's really encouraging because you see how passionate the people are all over the place about Freemasonry. And there's just, it just takes like one really passionate person to completely turn around a lodge. Yeah, that's right. And well, rally people. I'm looking at one. Uh, I'm talking about the brothers of District 21 personally. Uh, it was it was amazing to me to see that, and it gives me hope uh, because the 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 one that impressed me the most, you know, he was pretty. Hostile. He was not a hostile. He had no problems telling me to my face what he thought about my lodge in the program. He said, your lodge is broken, brother, let me tell you. And it's because he didn't understand. Right. That's why he said right. that. So I had an opportunity to communicate with a guy who had an impression that was wrong, and we talked about it. I said, brother, my lodge isn't broken. Because he said, yeah, 350 members, and you only got 30 people on the sidelines. That's horrible. I got 30 members, and I have a higher percentage. And I'm like, that's great. But my lodge isn't broken. We've lost half our membership in the last decade. We had 600 members. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm in the same situation as you. It's just a different scale of the problem. And uh, I'm the same as you. I'm, you know, one guy over here trying to change things. And it's not easy. And, you know, we started to bond over the same. We're the same. Right. We're it, the same. The only thing that was lacking was an understanding. An yeah. understanding. Yeah. yeah. Which, which, which happens. Misunderstandings. Right. Love it. And when we talk about things, and, and that's one thing I, I really have to say, right? Worshipful Simpson uh, really impressed me. He, you can't shy away from the problems. You right. got to stare right. dead in the face together and talk about them. Yeah, it's the only right. way they're ever going to change. Yeah, if you pretend they don't and, exist. You're going to have them forever. Yeah, they'll take on a life of yep. their own. You know, which is always negative. And and, and to put a little light on you. Now that you have spread that light and shown them, it's only going to take one lodge. One lodge is yep. going to start 
start doing good. Yep. And the other lots, you're going to go, wow, look at that lot. <laughs> and they're going to follow in line. Yeah. You're absolutely and the next right. thing you know it, we're going to be back to 80,000 members. Yeah. 100,000 members. And, and it's going to be because of, of the effort and time that you're putting in. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I was telling those guys, like, this isn't a silver bullet, okay? <laughs> There's no one answer to every problem, but this is a, a valuable tool right. that the Grand Lodge is gifting you. And if you don't use it, you're really doing your own lodge a disservice. That's and right. I think those guys that were really passionate and uh, worried about some of the aspects of it, you know, they're worried you're going to let in riffraff. And, that's, up to, that's up to the individual lodge. Right. You know, it's like we said, right. starting off, you, you, the West Gate, man, you got to guard it. We're not telling you to take the gate down, man. What we're telling you is to is to is to open open up a little bit, get some information out there. You know, the the men who have already there are men out there who have uh, theoretically raised their hand and said yes, yeah, exactly. Yes, I'm 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 thinking about something along the lines of masonry, mm-hmm. and we're just and, and this program just gets us in front of them. Yeah. That's it. They've already yep. they're already of a mindset. But they just don't have the information. That's all this is. And the thing that those brothers don't realize, and I was able to successfully communicate to some of them, is uh, you know, when you're in a situation where you only have 30 members, you're going to become desperate at some point. Yeah, that's right. And you will start taking anybody that can fog up a mirror, like most wishful fosters. <laughs> that's <say>. right. Well, <laughs> and so it's a great you, point. Great point. You, you got to remember that. Um, Back in the early days, lodges were small memberships. Um, right. It was not unheard of for you know uh, a person to be master several times because you know we didn't have mass transportation. It, it wasn't easy to get into a vehicle and travel, you know, forty miles to to a lodge. Yeah. So you were you were pretty much confined to to just your local area. Um, and those lodges that are small have more of a, a, a family feel to them. Oh yeah. Um, if, if that's not the right words, I, I'm sorry, but no, you're um, right. But you know, typically, what what you're experiencing, where you have 300 members or 380 members, and and you get 30 guys, that's about. About normal for lodges in Florida is they get about ten percent of their membership that attend, yeah, you know, right. meetings and, and and do work in a lodge. Yeah. So that you know, it, you got different situations too because twenty one is kind of more of a a, a rural right um, area. Yeah. Where you're in more of a, a oh, city area. That definitely was so, a topic of discussion. Right. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad that was the topic of discussion because that you know it, it's just different environments. Yes. So you know you're the same, but you're not the same. Yeah. I mean, and and that's one of the great things about the fraternity is that every lodge, although we're all masons, can have its own different culture and feel. Of course, there. absolutely. And uh, that's okay. Yeah, because you know it is. It should absolutely be it is. Yeah, your, your lodge should reflect your community, right? I mean, yeah, that's right. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, that's, that's the beauty, and that's the beauty of in uh, visiting other lodges within your district and and outside of your district. Being that traveling mason, because you experience 
um, you know, all the different cultures, all the different, you know, the yeah. people. I, I want to get out there. I wanted to go with you so bad, but I had motor core that night. I couldn't go. So I'm definitely going on the next one. <laughs> yeah. Not, well, we, I, we, I, I will not be denied. Yeah. We have another one coming up in <laughs> yeah, another yeah. district, and I'm really excited about it because these, like I tell them, I'm not running for any office here. I'm doing this because I love the fraternity like you guys. <laughs> so, right. <let's, laughs> there you uh, go. How do we, how do we move the needle? This is one of the ways. And, uh, yeah, so that being said, you, everything I just said to you, you spoke to the the everyday brother out there who's not engaged. What would you say to the brother who is in the line, who's getting his MLT trainings, he's about to become an elected officer here in the next year or two, uh, what would you say to that brother? Any advice or message you'd have for those, for those guys who are actually be, about to become leaders in our fraternity in the coming years? The only thing I would say is remember why you're in that position. Um, when I was in the Navy, when we got we got promoted, and and when you make the the, the jump from E six to E seven, you know we would change uniforms. We would go from the working uniform to more of a um, uh, khaki. Uh, administrative office personnel uniform. Um, you weren't down in the trenches digging the dirt, but we were always taught when you made that jump, don't forget who got you there. You didn't get yourself there. The people that are around you were mm -hmm. the ones that got you to where you're at. So mm. just remember when, when you become worshipful master of a lodge, you didn't get yourself there. You were helped along the way by the brothers of your lodge, and you need to be there for them. It don't. So, most worshipful Turlington, <laughs> uh, my little buddy, when he got elected or was 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 going through the line or or trying to get elected, he had a conversation with most worshipful Bob Trump. And, and and I used to like to kid around with him because uh, Bob Trump told him, make sure the same size hat that you wear now fits your head when you become grandmaster. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> and of course, I of course I always tease tease my little buddy that you know he went out and bought a hat that was two sizes bigger at that time <laughs> so that it would fit when he was grandmaster. But <laughs> you know that I, I thought that was great philosophical words of wisdom that he's yeah. given, you know, to make sure that your head didn't grow so large that, you know, you forget the purpose of why you're there. Yeah. Which is really to serve is what you're saying. That's serve. exactly. Yeah. Right. Do you know, right? Wishful Doug Dobbs. I do. Great man. We interviewed him and he said the exact same thing you yeah. just said when That's we right. asked that question. Yeah. That's amazing. Good men think alike. Good, yeah, that's right. Great men think alike. <laughs> well, uh, on that no note, uh, most worshipful Foster, we uh, we want to thank you for uh, for taking the time out to uh, sit with us for this hour and a half conversation. Oh, absolutely, um, about the craft that we love, and um, yeah, well, we really... I I just I I am as a young I'm I'm you know I'm a two year master mason. Uh, I think maybe a little longer, but not, years, not long. It's the miles. Uh, but I've had a lot of great experiences 
Um, and I've met a lot of, of men that I highly respect, you being one of them. And I just, I, I just, I, I echo what we said a little bit earlier. I just wish I had done this so much earlier in my life. And um, I think all three of us would agree when we say to anyone listening, uh, don't wait. Don't wait. Um, investigate uh, Freemasonry and uh, and get yourself get yourself involved uh, and be a part Absolutely. of what's happening here because it's it, it 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 you're surrounding yourself with with great men who have done great things, man, and and you you will never regret it. Um, Brother Chris, anything that you'd like to add before we sign off with Most Worshipful Foster? Uh, definitely like to give Most Worshipful Foster the last words and the chance to say anything he'd like. Absolutely. Here. But I, I would like to just say thank you also. Um, you really, like, I had a passion for Freemasonry, uh, but my involvement with you has lit it to another level. I mean, I have a white, hot, burning heat for Freemasonry. This is true. Nothing will stop. Um, and you had a, a massive part in that for me personally, so I want to take this opportunity to thank you for that. Personally, you were a great mas- uh, grandmaster and a great leader. Well, thank you. Thank you. An example. Uh, but I, I can I can reverse that and say that because of you, uh, we had a pretty successful year, you know, during my year as grandmaster. So, you know, it's, it's a two-way street. Now, I'm not fishing for those compliments, but I'll— I, I learned from a wise man to just say thank you. Thank, thank you very much. And, <laughs> thank and, you. and with that, we will uh, end another amazing uh, podcast of uh, On the Level with Fred and Chris, our interview with Most Worshipful Foster. Most Worshipful Foster, anything uh, on the way out uh, that you'd like to sign off to our, or to our listeners? I just want to thank you guys for, uh, for having me. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, I hope to see uh, everyone soon. Yep, we will. Definitely. Wherever you're at, wherever we're at, we, we will eventually meet. And of course, it will be on the level. Oh, I had to do it. There I, it is. I had to do it. <laughs> so if you've, listened, if you've listened to the podcast up to this point, you really are a hero of ours. Um, if you have any questions or comments, please just uh, email us, fred at onthelevelwithfredandchris.com or chris at the same mm-hmm. longest uh, email address uh, on radio uh, for a reason. <laughs> Um, and again, like, like we always say, or like we always try to say, uh, now, now, now that you've heard what you've heard, go back to your lodge and build it strong. Thank you. Most worshipful. Thank you. Most worshipful. We'll see you guys. guys.